Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of Candidly Crew. I'm your host, Chesley White. And I'm Marina Register. How's it going? Pretty good. It is my last week of work before I go off to Montana for vacation. Oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. What are, what are you going to do there? That's a great question. Other people in our uh, group are skiing, but I have a bum knee. And so I don't ski. <laughs> so I don't blame you. <laughs> there is an alpaca farm nearby that we're definitely going to go to. There's there's going to be 14 of us there, including three children oh, wow. under the age of two. Oh, okay. So, so I was about to say, oh, it's going to be a real party then. But then you said the three children. But I mean, so. still, they're going to be a party. Uh, but honestly, <laughs> if I can drink my coffee while looking at the mountains from the porch of our of our Airbnb. That sounds pretty amazing. I think I'll be good. They have a hot tub and everything. It's it's going to be really nice. Okay. Pretty excited. All right. Well, let me know how it goes. It's on my list. Um, our next skiing vacation will be either Montana or Park City. Okay. So I need... Well, I'll, I'll do a, like a quick poll of all the people coming back from this, the okay. slopes. Thank and, you. And yeah. See. Collect some data for me. Because they let, love let skiing. They let me know. Here, so. Perfect. Well, uh, today on our episode, we're talking to one of my favorite people, Debbie McDonough, who is a tax director, semi-retired at Cherry Beckert LLP. Yes. So Debbie is amazing. She is. It's so fun to hear her passion for other people and for women. Agreed. And in their careers, I feel like she had such uh, good nuggets for us today. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to give away the entire episode, but um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that the two biggest takeaways were um, that she talked about were you know, to, to think about what you want and to ask for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's huge. It's so simple, but it's so huge in terms of just putting it out there, what you're looking to, to do and what you need, and and then just see what happens. Right. And then her other big takeaway was just understanding the need to market yourself. And she goes into it deeper. So again, won't give away the whole episode, but it's so important to let people know what you're doing and what you're looking for and what you'd like. Because if if your company or your boss or whoever doesn't know what you want, how can they help you get there? That's right. That's exactly right. So anyway, well, we hope that you guys enjoyed this episode and let's bring her in. All right. All right, Debbie. Well, thanks for being here today. We really appreciate it. How you doing? I'm doing well. Good. I'm working during busy season. Well, I shouldn't be. I should be retired. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm actually surprised we booked this date. I know. We should have maybe thinking. waited like two weeks or so. <laughs> that's true. We loved, I, I should have thought. I so was that's not on thinking. Me. I wasn't thinking. I just knew I had a free. You're retired, so you shouldn't have to. (laughs) Very true. Well, let's get into it. We want to hear all about your story. Um, So let's start maybe from, I don't know, out just out of college. What did you study in college and how did you move into your career from there? Okay. It was purely accidental that I ended up in the profession that I'm I'm in. Um, I decided in high school I was going to be a research scientist. So I went to college and got my degree in biochemistry and chemistry. Minored in math, because I thought as a backup, I might be a math teacher. Went to graduate school, uh, MD-PhD program, uh, where I thought I was going to do medical research. I was going to solve the, you know, the big mysteries of the world for science and medicine and realized a couple years in that you spend all the time in the lab pretty much by yourself. Mm -hmm. And you could work Mm -hmm. on a project all your life and never solve it. And I'm more of a, I want instant gratification, <laughs> something where I can say, Debbie, you did a great job on that. Hooray. And I wanted to be around people. Yep. So I quit that program, much to my dad's. He was, he's a research scientist. He's very depressed about it, still speaks <laughs> about it. <laughs> and went back to school and started taking just random courses and just happened into an accounting class. And so the way the program was that I decided to go into was take everything you always wanted to know about accounting in these like four-hour, one-week sessions for a whole year. So I got basically my undergraduate degree in a year 
And then I went to on, on to get my master's degree in um, accounting. So my focus during my master's program was really auditing. I took one tax course and told the professor it was the worst course I'd ever had in my entire life. <laughs> it was boring. It was memorization. I couldn't see how I would ever, ever, ever do tax. She still laughs about today when I run into him. <laughs> so I started out of school uh, at a large firm uh, in, as an auditor and worked for a few months as an auditor. And as things happened, their tax department happened to have lost some people. And it was busy season and they were shorthanded. I was the newest hire. So they said, okay, Debbie, we have an opportunity for you. You get to <laughs> work in tax. And I'm like, really? I'm going to have to do tax? This is horrible. <laughs> But I got in there and realized it isn't like it is in school, that there is a lot of problem solving and planning in it, which is what I liked about science. And so after that busy season, I stayed in tax. So how I moved from there into commercial real estate um, from a tax perspective was that that company had huge real estate funds. And so I got put on those. And they also had a lot of um, multifamily type work. And I got put on those. So I spent the five years that I worked for that company working on those types of clients. And once you develop a skill set in an area, as you move on, you become the person of choice for that. Mm -hmm. So as I moved yeah. through my career, everywhere I went, they're like, oh, she knows real estate. And so by the time I retired, <laughs> which I'm really not yet, um, I was doing pretty much 90% of my book of business was all real estate, commercial real estate type clients, a little, little bit of residential, but mostly mm -hmm. commercial. Did you learn like the, I guess, the law specific to real estate because you're working on those clients and then you mm -hmm. kind of just kind of continue to carry that knowledge with you as you, I'm sure they change the rules every so often and stuff mm -hmm. like that too. Yeah, okay. that's exactly how it works. It's, okay. There's a specific set of rules that apply to real estate. And so um, you become specialized in those and they're not necessarily applicable to other areas. And so you carry that knowledge with you and you become valuable because of that. Makes sense. Yeah. At what Part, and I think it happens at multiple segments of like the real estate cycle. Would you say that people should be looking to talk with like a tax professional? At the very beginning. That's where we run into that so often where people come in after the fact. They've already got their plan in place. And there are things that we could have done up front to help them plan, to get tax credits, to get them um, to structure the deal a little more beneficially for them. And very often it's hard to go back and fix that if, they're, if you're too far down the road. The worst case is they come in for the year and say, we want you to do, your tax, do, our, do their tax return and they've already done the deal. And then it's really hard then to go back and help them, help them benefit when you, when you could have. Yeah, that makes and, sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested in, so you said you, you, know, you started in science, which is very different mm -hmm. from tax. Yes. And you came to this realization like, hey, I want to work with people and I want quicker problems to solve. Was that a difficult decision or was it an easy like, oh, okay, well, I'll just do something else then? Oh, no, it was very challenging, <laughs> mainly because I think a lot of my dad yeah, and had a lot of respect for him. And he was so sure we, he was going to, my my maiden name was Schmidt. We were going to pu publish a paper with Schmidt and Schmidt, some research project that Aww. we had solved. And so to burst his bubble, so to mm -hmm. speak, took a lot of thought, mm -hmm. um, but I just wasn't happy. Which makes sense. Yeah. yeah. How long do you think you reflected on that decision? Probably a couple of years, honestly. Yeah. Because I pretty much knew when I started that MD-PhD program after the first six months, I'm like, this is not really what I want to do. But it, I thought, okay, I'll just stick it out. He used to always tell me, oh, you haven't gotten to the good part. Just mm -hmm. try this. You haven't gotten yeah. this. So I thought, okay, I'm going to wait until I get to the good part. 
But the longer I did, I'm like, I just, this is just not for me. Yeah. Yeah. So did it help to have your dad in research science, not in the way of to make the decision, but (laughs) to see what it would look like? But then I'm just, I'm trying to, because it comes like, how did you find out you like working with people? Like, when did that? Because I feel like in college, I was like, no, I could do everything all by myself. And then once I, and I thought that that's what accounting was. And then when I got into accounting and it wasn't that, it was great because I had over my college years figured out like, oh, I actually do enjoy being around human beings. Yeah, I think it was just, it was being in the lab that made me realize that I missed people. Because in college, I was very active. I was involved in a sorority and did all Mm -hmm. the, you know, the college social things and all around people all the time. And then to move to a graduate program where the only people I'm around pretty much other than my classmates are the one or two people that happen to be in the lab with me. And lots of times experiments, you're in the lab by yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're counting things in the middle of the night. Um, <sighs> and I just, no. I yeah. did not enjoy that. <sighs> now I you guess. can do taxes alone in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Now what told me, what made me think taxes was a people, people program was I had a friend who had gone into um, public accounting and she had a brochure from one of the big firms and it talked about how you travel and you get to meet all these people. And my my ideal client at the time, I thought, okay, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to get an accounting degree and I'm going to work with life sciences businesses. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be able to apply my science yeah. knowledge yeah. to help yeah. them grow. Yeah. And I'm going to be able to travel and see the world. And it showed pictures of, you know, all these people hanging out together. I thought, <laughs> this is going to be great. <laughs> so what does your day-to-day look like? And I know that so you retired technically yeah. in 2019. Yeah, it was in the fall of 2019. Fall of Few 2019. months before COVID. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Um, and then you've been kind of back as needed on interim yeah. basis. So, I mean, does it look different now than it did when you were fully integrated in yeah. like 2018? And what did that look like? Yeah, let me How, start out with what yeah, it did look yeah. like and where I yeah. am now and why I am, why I want to be where I am now. Yeah. Um. Before I retired, I had a, a book of business that I managed, all pretty much real estate clients. And so from a day-to-day standpoint, I made sure they got their tax filings done on time. I made sure that I brought to their attention any new law that was out there so we could help them plan around that. If they were doing deals, we would consult with each other and try and figure out how to structure it the best way so that they could get the tax credits or have them get the money that they think they're going to get out of the deal, that type of thing. Um, I was on the real estate um I was a part of the real estate group of the firm. I was on the executive committee. Um, I was considered the firm experts on like-kind exchanges. So anybody mm. in the firm that had yeah. questions about that would come to me. Did a lot of partnership training. Uh, I taught at TaxU, which was our annual training that all the tax people got together. I did web webinars for the firm. As a side thing that I really enjoyed doing was I headed up the mentor program for the tax, tax side. Um, we didn't have enough people to do as much as I would have liked with that. But that's kind of how I did a lot of training with people. So, I mean, it was a whole mix of things. And then I retired and thought I, we bought an RV, thought I was going to be gone, and COVID hit, and um, they needed help. So they asked me to come back. And I did a really good job, I feel, transitioning my clients to other people. Mm-hmm. Made the introduction, um, helped the first year or so just with uh, knowledge, institutional knowledge, so now when I go back, I'm more in the behind the scenes because I don't want to go out and meet with the clients and mm-hmm. have them go, oh, Debbie's back. Let me mm-hmm. call Debbie. You're never going to retire at that point, really. Right. <laughs> and it's not fair to them and it's not fair to the person who's coming along behind me to take my place yeah, to right. have clients call me and circumvent them. I want them to be the person that the client 
talks to. So I just do a lot of tax technical stuff behind the scene. Talk to partners at, on Saturdays at, <laughs> yeah. in the middle of the day. But yeah, so that's how it's different. And yeah. how do you feel now being in that role? You know, it's it's different than it was before, obviously. Like, is it is a good spot for you? Or are you, are you ready to transition soon to, to being fully retired? Is it a good balance? It's good in that I, I like, there's been a lot of law changes due to COVID. Mm-hmm. And I like the challenge of trying to figure out how those are going to work and how we can help clients get around things or whatever it is. So that, that it's mentally stimulating, which mm-hmm. I like. I also like that if I am busy, like this morning, I can tell them I'm not going to be in today until whatever time. And there's no pressure yeah. mm-hmm. on me to be there. Having said that, though, I, we had trips planned in the RV <laughs> yeah. that got canceled. I'm ready to hit the road. Yeah. I think starting, we're, we're going to be here next week, but starting the week after that, we're gone pretty much until July. Wow. So, that's awesome. Good. But, and I, I miss the people. So I do enjoy being in the office and seeing yeah. people. Yeah. And that, and that. Regard. I will say so, uh, in case people don't know, <laughs> I work with Debbie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we both work at Cherry Beckert. Um, I was always on the auditing side before my recent switch over to client accounting services. And audit and tax work together fairly often, but I would just say I always knew I was welcome in Debbie's office. Oh, thank you. And would always walk by and just stop in and an hour later be like, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and head out. So, I, I mean, Debbie was such a McMainstay in my early career, I feel oh, like, you. as a mentor that was a woman in mm. leadership in our firm, which was really, really exciting for me to see. So, um, so yeah, the people part was yeah. a huge part of your job yeah. and, and really, really mattered. That. You could see that there was many, many, like men and women in the office that felt like you were a mentor to them and developed them and helped them grow, which... I really appreciate. Yeah. So how long were, were you with Jerry Beckard um, before you like kind of retired? When I kind of retired, <laughs> it was five years. Okay. So really not very long. Yeah. I wow. followed Mark, my current boss from another firm over there. Okay. Um, I probably would have stayed. If he had stayed there, I probably would have stayed with the other company. I gotcha. But I enjoyed working with him and he's a real estate person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really enjoyed Just working. to stay in that mm-hmm. lane. Yeah. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Very cool. So, Yeah. So how did you see in those five years, like, I guess you, you kind of entered, I guess, Cherry Beckard in a, in a, like a senior um, experience level. Mm-hmm. Um, so did, were, did you jump right in and they're like, hey, here's, here's the. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Here's <laughs> yeah. the land. What do you want to do? You know, like. <laughs> yeah, they um, were growing very, very quickly. And I, I, I credit Mark with a lot of that. Um, and they just, they needed people that had that technical knowledge. So I walked in and they said, here you go. And the, the other thing that was going on that I think I helped with is we had two different cultures. We had the Cherry Beckard of old, mm-hmm. and then we had the new people coming in. Uh-huh. And there was a little bit of tension between those two groups because each thought that their way of doing things mm-hmm. uh, was best. And I feel like I was a good mediator. I had several people tell me that I was helpful because I could help both sides see what the other was trying to do. And I feel like it brought the tax department together. Um, so that was very rewarding. Yeah. Because so. there did used to be like a, mm-hmm. a big... It was when I started, I thought, oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> what did I, <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> but I love everybody there now. And it's, 
everybody works really well together. So what would you say is the most challenging or was the most challenging part? So that that can take a lot of, do you mean over like over my career? Because I can tell you yeah. some challenges <laughs> yeah, I've had sure. over my career <laughs> yeah. that have been. Um, so the first one I would say from a career perspective was not realizing how many hours you work mm. in public accounting. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It People and the general public, I don't think, realize that we're a lot like attorneys, really. And so our hours, you can work 2600 a year, 3000 a year. It just depends on staffing and law changes and that type of thing. Whereas 2040, I mean, 2080s full time. Mm-hmm. So, so that was crazy. So how I worked through that, because I have four children and a career-minded husband. So to have a two-career family and four children was pretty challenging. So I went into my employer and said, you know, I feel like the times you really need me are from like January 15th to April 15th. And like September and October are the two huge filing deadlines. So I said, I will give you whatever you need from me during those time periods, but it would help my family a lot if I could then work 30 hours a week for the rest of the year just to deal with four children. They all traveled, did traveling sports. Life was crazy. Mm -hmm. And there was not, this was way before any kind of flexible work arrangements Mm -hmm. or anything like that were even around. And it took them a while to think about it. And they finally came back and said, okay, we'll let you do it. So I'm at the, it's at the end of March, my first year doing it, and partner came into my office and he said, I just want to thank you. I said, why? He said, for working the hours you're working. I go, well, that was the agreement. I told you I've worked the hours that I'm working yeah. here. Yeah, but we didn't believe you would. So it was nice of them to give me the opportunity when wow. they didn't think that I would do it. But it's sad that the environment was mm-hmm. such that, you know, you couldn't come in and trust that your employee was actually going to do that. The sad thing about that initially was that stop my progression. I know we talk about peaks and plateaus sometimes, Mm -hmm, and that was a plateau because um, it took them a little while to realize that you can have an arrangement like that at all levels. You just have a smaller book of business, smaller workload. Right. And that eventually changed, um, except for getting to partner. But Did you make partner there? No, no. Um, I had a mentor that tried really hard to get me there, but they did. They weren't ready for part-time partners at that point. Okay. Now, now they have them, but back then, yeah, they just didn't. wasn't a thing. Yeah. How long did it take you to work up the courage to ask them for that arrangement that you needed that you knew it you was needed? A while. Yeah. It was a while because I was afraid they would say no. But then I got thinking. So what's what if they say no? Right. I'm not any worse off than I currently exactly am. Right. So and I really liked my job, and I didn't want to change, and so I decided it was worth it. To, to do that. Yeah. Um, that was probably the biggest challenge hurdle I overcame. Mm-hmm. Second one was learning to, and I did not realize this, I was so naive coming out. I thought that if you did a good job, you would be rewarded for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did not realize that um, you need to let people know what you're doing and you need to ask for it. And there was so much, especially back in my day, because I was um, one of, when I first started, there were no women mm-hmm. in, in my office. And there was a lot of informal camaraderie going on. I call it water cooler type things where men would get together and they'd go play golf or they'd mm-hmm. go out for drinks. Well, no man was going to take a female out for drinks or to lunch or even, even lunch then. Yeah. Now it's different. But back then, yeah. because they were worried that somebody would see them and tell their wives. Right. And so not realizing that my male counterparts 
were in the office saying, I want that's this, we're getting this work. I want to do that. Or I expect to be promoted this year. Or let me tell you this great job that I did on this thing. They were doing that. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that I wasn't, I wasn't doing as good a job. It was just when it came time to evaluate or to think about projects and how they were going to be assigned, they had just talked to that person who had said, I want that. Mm-hmm. So they're they were more getting likely, marketing time. They're yes. marketing themselves. Yeah. yeah. And so that was, that was probably honestly the biggest hurdle that I think if I'd had a mentor early on that had told me you need to be doing this, it would have changed the trajectory of my, my career. But yeah. I just didn't know. That's yeah. one of the things I make sure I tell people. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Which is because I think there are still yeah. people that don't know that. Mm-hmm. There's, there is yeah. some level where um, you, you feel like, well, if I just keep doing a good job and if I'm working a lot of hours, mm-hmm. they'll see how hard I'm working. But I had to learn early on, too, that unless you told people, like mm-hmm. if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around to see it, if I'm working late in the office and no one is around to see it, like yep. it's like I didn't even do it. And so trying to find a not aggressive mm-hmm. or strange way to say like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I was here very late last night to make sure that this job got done because mm-hmm. it's my job. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't have gotten done if I hadn't done that. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You're, I mean, I think you're very good at that. I have gotten good at it. For and, sure. and to also let like when clients come back and say, wow, you did a great job on that. Either say, can you please let yeah. so-and-so know, or mm-hmm. you go and tell your boss, hey, I just got accolades from my, from mm-hmm. the client about mm-hmm. the great job we did. Yeah. Because if we don't, if you don't tell them, then you I don't know. I know, it's such a great point, and you just don't really think about it that mm-hmm. much until you realize, like, hey, I'm not getting any type of recognition, yeah. and I'm, I'm working my butt off, and I'm here, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. and then why that— why did so-and-so get that project when I would really have liked that? Right. It leads you to feel, um, like— I mean, now I can't think of the word like dissatisfied and unrecognized yeah, where if you maybe. unappreciated yeah. is a very good way to say it. So I think that's also another reason why people leave. And mm-hmm. then the bosses are like, why did that person leave? I have no idea why they wouldn't mm-hmm. have just talked to me, but they didn't feel appreciated enough to even make that, yeah. that leap. And so I do think that's a huge thing for people at any point in, in their careers, but especially early on mm-hmm. to be talking with people above you and, have that mm-hmm. mentor relationship. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. It's really important. I agree. So you mentioned some plateaus that you went through um, in your career. How did you think about those and like kind of come to realize that you were in one and how do you get out of it? Yeah, that was hard because usually the plateaus that I experienced were family driven. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so not necessarily work driven. Um, there probably were some that I didn't realize because I wasn't promoting myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, so my tra- trajectory might have been like this and everybody else's was like that. But most of the ones that I knew when I knew I was in it, it was because I'd made a choice that at that point in my career, I needed to focus on my family. Yep. So, I mean, it was hard sometimes to watch people come in behind you and pass you. But I knew I was doing the right thing for our family. And so, yeah, so it was okay. Mm-hmm. It was okay. Not easy, but okay. So, and, and I don't know anything about partnership at on a tax side, but did you make partner at Cherry Beckert or was that a goal of yours or anything like I, that? When I started with Cherry Beckert, there wasn't really enough time. Okay. I don't know that I could have gotten promoted to partner anyway. Okay. Um, they did pr- promote me to tax director. Um, it has the same authority. Like it has the same authority. authority. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's just not an equity owner. So I had the uh, same okay. same role. I just didn't buy into the... The partner means equity owner for mm-hmm. an accounting firm. Yeah, okay. and I wasn't going to be around long enough had yeah. they decided I, to buy in. Gotcha. I mean, it just didn't make economic yeah. sense. Gotcha. Because so. it used to be called income partner or equity partner. 
Okay. And then they switched yeah. it to be a director. Yeah. Okay. So, so that was, that was, I mean, that was nice. <laughs> so you mentioned um, that you'd like to mentor people. And obviously I know through crew mm-hmm. mentorship is very important to you. What did your mentors look like? Unfortunately, I didn't have as many as I would have liked. I had what you would call performance managers, mm-hmm. which was different. It was someone that was just evaluating how I performed. There were two men that I ran into during my career for short periods of time. I wish I'd worked with them longer because uh, I think that things could have been wonderful um, with them. There was one that I worked with um, at the firm where I was trying to get to partner, and I was part-time. And I only worked with him for about a year before I changed jobs. But he tried really hard to convince them that there could be a role for somebody that wasn't full-time in a, in a partnership mm-hmm. um, position, that that compensation would be less, the, everything could be scaled back based on the hours that I could work. And he, he tried really hard to, to promote, promote me on that, but... So he was an advocate, and then he was always telling me, you need to do this, and you should do this, and you did a good job on this. So that was really nice, but I only worked with him for about a year. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of sad. Um, and then the other one I've worked with, I don't know how many different times during my career, we'll work together, and then we would leave, and then we'd come back, and we'd work together, and then we'd leave, and we'd go separate directions and come back and work together. And every time I worked for him, in fact, he was probably my biggest advocate to get promoted to tax director um, at Cherry Beckert. Uh, he, he was just always supportive. He just, I would lose him. Like he would go off and, you know, yeah. work for the cliffs or, you know, who I'm talking it was about. Tim. Yeah, Tim Cherry. Oh, he is. Yeah. I just love him. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a great guy. He retired, um, like a month or so after I did, but he's 10 years older than I am. <laughs> so. well, that should make you feel pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just loved his job and. He, he was he was really, really a pretty good advocate. I wish I'd worked with him more. So was it mostly like a, a sounding board kind of support system mm-hmm. that was the most valuable, you think? Yes, I, I think so. That and he'd see things that I wouldn't see and say, Debbie, you That's should huge. really be doing this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, I can do that. Yeah. yeah. But if you don't know, then That's right. you can't and, do it. And so. different perspectives sometimes, it just makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what... Um, Within Cruise Mentorship Program, what draws you to that? Like, if why do you enjoy, you know, teaching and because helping? I've seen over time how much a difference it can make. Yeah, um, just all the women that I've worked with, and I, I gravitate towards women. I've had some male um, mentees as well that have been wonderful and that I've helped. But I, my passion is for women, just because I know where I came from and how much I didn't know and how much. Mm-hmm help it was when people would tell me things that were like light bulbs that I'm like, oh, I wish I'd known that 10 years ago kind mm-hmm. of thing. And so, I mean, I just remember like, I had a woman come up to me the other day that I ran into that I hadn't seen in probably 20 years. And she goes, I, st- I just want to thank you. And I said, thank you for what? And she said, you were amazing. She said, when I, she had a family issue and had to work at home, which that was when working at home was not a thing. And she was struggling with working at home. And she, she came to me and she said, Debbie, I really need a printer. And I said, okay. She goes, but I don't think I've asked and they're not going to give it to me. So I wrote down, okay, here's her value. This is how much we're paying her. This is how much it costs to train her. This is what it'd be if we lost her. Here's how much a printer costs. It's clearly Let's worth think it. about this. And they got her a printer. <laughs> yeah. And I had totally forgotten that. And she came up and she said, I just want to thank you. And so it's things like that where I know I helped people. That's what 
That's what makes it all worthwhile. I hope I look back 10 years, like when I really do retire, I can look <laughs> back and say, oh, gosh, I helped this person succeed, whether it's professionally or personally. Because that's the thing about mentoring is so often people think that it's only business, but it's not. It's personal. If you can't if you can't manage your personal life, then your business life isn't going to work either. Yeah, that's exactly right. So it's yeah. um, doing the two together. And I think that a lot of businesses miss that and they focus too much on the business side of it and not realizing that you've got to have the whole, the whole piece. So helping people personally and professionally has just always been a passion of mine. And I will say, I feel like that's um, the male mentors that I've had and not in a bad way, it was all very business focused. Mm -hmm. And the female mentors that I've had, very much the idea of balance and Mm -hmm. how do you look at the whole person. And I think that's really important. I agree. I agree. So tell us what, um, like what, what characteristics do you think are important for mentees to look for in mentors or someone that, because as we think about you know, the mentor program with crew and mm-hmm. if there's anyone that's, you know, new in their career, what should they be looking for in a mentor? I think they need to look for someone that they can trust because you've got to feel safe mm-hmm. um, talking about your career goals. I think they um, need to look for someone that they feel is honest, which hopefully most people are, but sometimes not necessarily, or they're mm-hmm. only honest to a certain extent. I think you need to look for somebody that's genuinely interested in people and helping them grow and progress. Because I've been in relationships, whether it's performance or whatever, where I can tell the person doesn't really care. They're Mm -hmm. there, they're giving lip service, but they don't really care what my goals are or whether I succeed or helping me get to the next level. They're just checking a box. Oh, I had this meeting with this person. And so Mm -hmm. it's pretty easy to tell. So that's, those are the main things I think. And I have different feelings about whether you pick somebody in your career, like when you're working, of course, you know, it'd be good to Mm -hmm. have somebody that, but if you're looking for a mentor in general, I almost think it's better to to pair with somebody that's not in your profession because you get to see a different side of things. You can pick somebody that's maybe got a similar role, like as an accountant, maybe a lawyer, for example, where they're similar and they might have similar hurdles that you have as far as billable hours and whatever those mm-hmm. are. Um, but I've had feedback from people both ways. So I think um, like if you have an outside mentor, they should be helping you figure out how to build the relationships inside your company. Oh, right. Cause you yeah, have to have both. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do think you're right. It does help to have an outside perspective. Sometimes you get a little too mm-hmm. minute, niche focused, and mm-hmm. n- no one in your company is ever going to tell you to leave your company. No. <laughs> you know, no, so um, and sometimes that might be the right career choice for mm-hmm. you. So I think it is important to have like yeah. mentors, and then either a mentor or an advocate inside mm-hmm. inside de- the building. <laughs> definitely need an advocate inside, right? Somebody at the table. Agreed. Helps to have both. Mm-hmm. So, what advice do you have for someone? that is interested in getting involved in either commercial real estate or tax in commercial real estate. (laughs) Tax is awesome. Um, (laughs) Doubtful. (laughs) No, no, it's really important. I don't know how many people have ever heard say that. (laughs) Uh, I would say decide what you want. Um, And maybe that's through education or through talking with people. Uh, I think reaching out, and I've had known people that have done this early on, even when they're in school, reach out into the community. I think most 
people in business would be honored if a student reached out and said, hey, I'm thinking about going into your particular field. Would you have time to meet with me? Talk to people, learn about, go visit, ask to, ask to be um, an intern so you can see how things work so that you can decide what path you want to go into. And then once you make that decision, get a mentor, mm-hmm. join crew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that I would say find the best place to get the education, but do a lot of talking to people. Just talk to people and find out. Just maybe not January through April for tax professionals. Not yeah. January through April. <laughs> it is a little hard to grab their perspective for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, why don't, since we've been talking about crew and mentorship, why don't you tell us a little bit about the crew mentor program and, and how it's oh, set up and okay. what the goals are and things like that. Just for people that don't know, maybe someone else will be interested in, in joining it. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about the program. And I, I thank COVID for it because um, the committee I was chairing was a career outreach committee. And we were trying to get into the schools to do some training in the schools and the schools shut down. And we're like, now what? And I feel very strongly about mentoring, and Marina encouraged me to, to start this program. So we um, did a survey of the membership, to, in particular those that wanted to be mentees, to discover what it is that they were looking for, and then paired those people with um, mentors. And the idea is it's a year-long program. We're hoping that people stick together for at least that one year. Some This time we're we're doing a second round, so we're going to have mentors and mentees together for two years because we feel like last year was our inaugural year. But the idea is to meet. I would like to see people meet once a month, but once a quarter at least. And um, we have topics that we can supply for folks to talk about. Or if the pair meets and can take off, then uh, then that's great. We're looking to have some training for mentors. Anybody that wants to be a mentor, we would love to have you. Uh and we're going to do some training this year. We're going to have some uh, speakers come in and do talk to the groups as a whole. We're going to do some small group sessions. The main idea is just to have somebody to talk to. You can request somebody in your own field and we'll pair you that way. Or you can re- request somebody not in your field and we'll pair you that way. The idea is just to have somebody to talk to and to create relationships and um, grow and learn more about the commercial real estate. Yeah. Arena, yeah. So. And it seems like with the, at least a year, you're you're setting it up so that if, and I know there's a couple pairs of people that really hit it off and mm-hmm. now they're, they love that mentor-mentee relationship. Other people that are like, wow, that was helpful, but maybe I don't need to Another talk year. with this same person again, but we've given them or you've given them questions for mm-hmm. them to talk over if they want to talk to a new mentor, mm-hmm. if they go out and they find someone in their company or in a similar field that they want to talk to. They have, they've at least done it for a year. Because I think a lot of what kept me, I think initially when I was younger, they'd be like, just ask for a mentor. Just like say that you want someone to be a mentor. But then you can't just walk into someone's office and be like, I want you to be my mentor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's more like, hey, can we get coffee? I have a couple questions mm-hmm. I like to talk about with you. And then you have those questions and you can mm-hmm. have the coffee and not feel yeah. like. It develops naturally instead yes, of like exactly. forcing the issue. <laughs> exactly. So I yeah. think there, there's a huge piece of mentorship that a little bit is organic. Mm-hmm. And so you have to find a way to cultivate <laughs> that organic and let it grow on its own That's kind of idea. True. Yeah. So, but I, I'm I'm really excited about our mentor program. Yeah, me well. too. I think and we fun. had great response from our end of the season um, meeting the other week. So I'm excited to see what comes of it. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, it'll be good. Yeah. 
Um, all right. Well, what do you think the our, our last little career oriented question? What do you think is the best uh, career advice you've ever received? So I would say there are two, um, two that I got that I would rate up there. One came from my dad, and this is corny. But he was a huge promoter of women, and he said that women can do anything men can. This is from when I was could barely walk, and that I could be anything that I wanted to be. And he would always tell me, you're an American, not an American. <laughs> so I was all about, I can do this. I can do this. Yeah. And that's what he, you know, that was my dad. A little corny, but it that's stuck cute. with me. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one was um, from Tim, ask for what you want. Yeah. And let people know what you're doing. Yeah. That was just it is earth shattering. Light bulb goes off. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind yeah. of thing. It, so. it is one of those things that when you hear it, you're like, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. <laughs> and they're doing that. Really? Yeah. That that was just yeah, that was yeah, just crazy. A yeah. light bulb going off. Yeah, it's huge because if you don't ask, they don't know. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're we're not mind yeah. readers and you know, so it's just yeah. putting it out there and then see what happens. And if you ask and it's not well received or it's not responded to, like, then you have your answer. Like, mm-hmm. maybe it's time to look elsewhere that's to get exactly what you right. need. That's exactly um, right. That's really so, true. Yeah, it's huge. I think that's yeah. one of the things that keeps people from wanting to ask is feeling like the answer will be no. Mm-hmm. But if the answer is no, then do you want to be there anyway? Mm-hmm. Right. So. Yeah. And if the answer is no, then you're not any worse off than you were. Yeah. And I will say, especially now after COVID, I feel mm-hmm. like. One, workers are in need, especially if you're a CPA. Yeah. That's <laughs> for whatever you want. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it, it's, um, we should be able to, uh, employers are realizing that there's a flexibility that's needed and mm-hmm. that they need to really think about what their employees want before mm-hmm. they just give them things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just want to commend you for realizing that, you know, back when that wasn't an acceptable thing <laughs> and saying like, here's what it is. Here's what I need. This is my situation. Mm-hmm. Like. You know, I hope I can stay and do my best for you mm-hmm. if, you know, if it works out for you and, and it did. So that's, that's awesome. And I'll say too, it's not like you did it and then felt like you were special and different. You did it and said, okay, now I've blazed that trail. Yeah, How can I help other I people do the same thing? Say. Because it, I've seen you do that. It opened doors for people. And that's very rewarding too, is to do something, succeed, create acceptance. Mm-hmm. And then it, everybody behind you then has that opportunity that's to do exactly that. right yeah. Yeah. But, yeah yeah and at the end of the day like we're all just people you know like we have same mm-hmm. and the same or similar issues like you know you have a large family where both the parents are working and now like there's so many other people that are in that same situation mm-hmm. um so yeah just ask it's huge i agree all right you ready for the rapid fire questions? rapid fire fun questions okay, okay. fire away <laughs> what do you like to do for fun Oh, that's easy. I want to go RVing. (laughs) (laughs) I love camping. I love hiking. I've tent camped. And this RV, you guys, is phenomenal. You don't get wet when it rains. (laughs) Where is your first trip going to be to after after April? Um, We're going for a week to the Smoky Mountains. I've never been Hmm. in Tennessee. I'm hoping. Have you guys heard of the synchronous fireflies? No. No. Oh, gosh. Every year sometime in April, and it's you never know, it's hit or miss. They, in the Smoky Mountain National Park, the fireflies come back, and they're synchronous. So they flash, and they get dark, and they flash, and they get dark. And oh, they wow. bring in groups. If you're camping there, you can go see it. 
But they bring in groups of people. They haven't since COVID. <laughs> but you, they'll let you sit down and you'll sit there in the dark. And all of a sudden, it'll just, everything will light up and it'll go dark and light. It is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. So we're fingers crossed that maybe we'll see some fireflies. <laughs> okay. You videotape that. Yeah, so. because I, have I can. Not I will. Yeah. But I love fireflies. Yeah, to be able to do it, you have to do a lottery. Like you have to apply. Oh, wow. Okay. It's a whole thing. So there's this place nearby. I think I'm remembering right. It's been a while, but I think it's called Cades Cove. Um, But it's, you literally, it's a national park that you can literally drive through. Oh, really? And so, yeah, I went to Tennessee for grad school. And so um, we would go down there occasionally just to check it out. And like, I've seen bears, like all sorts of deer, like all sorts of animals, and literally just slow drive through this whole park. And like and you can Cades Park, Cades Cove, I Cades think. Cove. If I'll look that up later, okay. just to verify. But we'll check that out, sure. Yeah, it was really cool. So add that to your list. Okay. It'll be right there. Okay. So where is your favorite place to travel? Anywhere mountains. Anywhere mountainous. I mean, I don't have any place in particular. I'm still. I. You need to go to Alaska. It's on our bucket list. It's, that was also something we were supposed to do during COVID. Yeah. Um, but. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. So. It's you would love it. Yeah, everything yeah. about it. Lots yeah. of time coming up now that you can get to do yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, we wanted to go. We we're supposed to go to Ireland for our fortieth wedding anniversary oh, wow. last year, and Ireland wasn't opened yet. Mm-hmm. So that's on the bucket list um, from an international perspective. Right. Yeah. Right. Of where I'd like to go, but we love the mountains. We're not beach people, uh-huh. so if we had to pick, we'd go somewhere in the mountains. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite book or podcast? So. Hmm. I really liked Lean In by Cheryl Sandberg. Mm-hmm. She's awesome. And I love Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. So The Gifts of Imperfections, pretty awesome. And I like her podcast too. Yeah. But I also like Crime Junkies, so. <laughs> <laughs> Little contrasting yeah. genres there. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So anything, anything like that. Um, yeah. I love Brene Brown as well. Yeah. I started reading uh, Daring Greatly. That's yes. Really good. So I have far. that one. I don't haven't read it yet. I've read like the first two chapters. And I'm like, okay. Wow. Yeah, I read yeah. The Gifts of Imperfection during COVID with my daughter. She lives in Atlanta. So I learned how to use Zoom. <laughs> um, and she we both read and then we'd Zoom and talk to each other about oh, it. Was, cool. It was awesome. That's yeah. Cool. She's a people person too, and she was going nuts. <laughs> so, so you needed that. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Good. Um, what current TV show are you binge watching? Or just watching. So we just finished Yellowstone, uh, which yes. I thought was awesome. That is so popular. <laughs> I know. It's really big. I, I'm going to Montana next week because of we watched uh, Yellowstone. Uh, <laughs> and so our whole group of friends got a giant uh, mountain cabin up there. So Whereabouts? Um, Bozeman, Big Sky. Okay, I area. stayed in Bozeman. Um, we went during COVID, but yeah. not RVing because it got canceled, but we flew. Okay. It was pretty awesome up there. I'm excited. Yeah. Do you ski? No, I don't, okay. which I told my husband, okay, you guys, this is funny. So I'm a klutz. Let's just throw it out there. Yeah. I tend to break things, whatever. And so I told my husband. I'm sorry, sorry. Were you the one that rolled over in bed and broke a rib? Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> so I told my husband, I said, I really want to learn to ski. We're retired. We've got time. We have the means. And he's like, absolutely not. <laughs> he goes, I am not going to spend my retirement in the hospital with you. Oh, that's sad, but I would love that's to. Sad. I think yeah. it would be great workout, good, yeah. good oh, for your health and everything. But he really is, and he's probably right. <laughs> he's probably he's probably right. Yeah, <laughs> I would. think of a different sport, yeah. but it would be nice. It is the mountains. It is, is the mountains. Yeah. You got to find another mountain sport. It's not uh, dangerous. The walking one. What's that one? Oh, cross country skiing. Yes, yeah. I did that. You guys, I went. Um, 
In January, we went to Park City, and I did cross-country skiing, and I did um, snowmobiling. Nice. The the rest of the crew skied. Okay. But yeah, it was great. That is fun. I've never done that before. Yeah. Yeah, It was great. All right, last question. What is your favorite restaurant in Greenville, and what do you like to get there? Mm. My favorite restaurant is Taco Sushi. Oh, I, so love, I love, love Taco Sushi. We should go. Oh, I'm anytime. Literally anytime because if you're in the office, yeah, I'm yeah. right there. Okay. And, I'll yeah, call can you. I go? Yeah. You can come. Talk yeah, I like, I like any spicy sushi, spicy tuna, anything with jalapenos in it, yes. anything like that. Oh, mm. I just, yeah, if I have a choice, that's where I'm going to go. Good Interesting. One. I love Taco yeah. Sushi. Yeah. I always get the Greenville roll. Actually, I get the bento box with the Greenville roll, and the waiter there knows my order so much that one time— we used to go all the time, like back when, apparently so. Yeah, back when, back when um, I call it the golden age of the audit side when we were like, I was a senior and we were a bunch of us. We go like once a week, and one time I was taking a call from someone, and I was like, "Give me the Greenville roll," like assuming they would know because we always got the bento box, and they ordered me just the Greenville roll. And when I came in and sat down, the waiter came by and he's like, "I want the bento box." And I was like, yeah, I do. And he's like, okay, I have it ready for you, I assume. <laughs> like, oh, thank funny. you. Thank you. You've officially made it. Yeah, I was really pumped. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, cool. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for your time today and coming in and chatting wow. with us about your career. Um, I learned a lot of things that I didn't know. For instance, about your the science background. Like, I had no clue about that. I actually didn't know that either. And I feel, uh, like, really? I, I feel like I know a lot about you. Uh, We've had a lot of conversations. Yes, we have. But. This was good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been great. Thank you. I enjoyed it as well. It's a pleasure to be here. So taco sushi next week. I'm there. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. (laughs) I am there. All right. right, Thank you. Thank you. The Candidly Crew podcast is sponsored by Truist. Truist is proud to be the 2022 Marble sponsor for Crew Upstate and the sponsor of this podcast series. Truist teammates are driven by a common purpose, to inspire and build better lives and communities. They strive every day to make things better for their clients, teammates, and stakeholders. Truist envisions a world with equal access to economic opportunities. Truist proudly supports the mission of Crew to transform the commercial real estate industry by advancing women globally. Crew Upstate's truest contact is Michelle Dodge, SVP. She can be reached at michelle.dodge at truest.com.